It was the American Music Awards was done. I still had to finish that. So we started about one to seven. And then we did this with no managers, agents, papers to sign. No, when I say this, I mean really and truly, I was in charge of making sure that the integrity of every artist was going to be taken care of, period. And Bruce showed up, hadn't heard the song. <laughs> That'll tell you what we were doing. Yeah. I mean, it's how it got made is a miracle. Yep. But it's, it's done. Welcome to Bitch Talk. I'm your host, Aaron, here with my co-host, Ange, a.k.a. Captain Party. And over the last 10 years, we've been elevating marginalized voices through interviews and events. Sometimes over a glass of whiskey. If you're thirsty for more bitches, head over to bitchtalkpodcast.com and follow us on Instagram. A big thank you to 48 Hills and our listeners for voting us Best of the Bay Best Podcast in 2022 and 2023. And now, on with the show. Welcome to our Sundance and Slamdance coverage. Today we're highlighting Sundance documentary, The Greatest Night in Pop, as well as the press line for The Greatest Night in Pop. As usual, we will be joined by our honorary festival bitch, John Wildman. Enjoy! Okay, we are on Bitch Talk and FilmsGoneWild.com. My name is John Wildman. I'm the editor-in-chief of Films Gone Wild. With me is Angela Deborah and Aaron Lim from Bitch Talk. And on this segment, we're going to talk about the Sundance documentary, The Greatest Night in Pop. We have back with us uh, a, a nice return, Baldwin. Wonderful to have you back. Thanks for having me. All right. Tell us about this film. You're <laughs> going to introduce our audience to it. They haven't seen it as yet. Um, well, it is called The Greatest Night in Pop. It's a documentary that explores the unlikely story of how 46 of the greatest music icons of not just the 80s, but of multiple generations came together one night in um, January 1985 to make the iconic pop song, We Are the World. So the last time we spoke with you at Sundance, it was Bruce Lee, Be Water, which is a beautiful film. We talk about it often and tell people to watch it to really understand Bruce. And now you come in hot with a pop culture moment. How did this all happen? Um, Yeah, I mean... it's the same producer as uh, B. Water, Julia Nottingham, who approached me with the story of We Are the World. And it was about the fall of 2020. And we all know what we were doing <laughs> at that time. So we just wanted to make a film that was fun, heartfelt, inspiring, um, and um, just kind of anchored audiences in a time that was familiar. I mean, I think, you know, this year... Um, we saw we've seen the Wham documentary, which mm-hmm. was such a big hit on mm-hmm. Netflix. Yes. And it was just again like this warm blanket, this like sense of nostalgia that we live in a lot of uncertain times, but sometimes films um can really bring us back to a place that makes us feel comfortable and joyous. Mm-hmm. And I think um We Are the World was that moment for so many people. I should say I was two years old when the song came out and um <laughs> but I remember it pretty vividly because my parents who are from Vietnam, they they came over um, as refugees. They spoke very little English when they came over, but they would listen to Lionel Richie, Kenny Rogers <laughs> albums, and that was sort of one way that we bridged the generation and cultural differences between us. And so I remember hearing "We Are the World" um, in the house when I was young, and and so that was also a, a reason that I wanted to tell the story to kind of pay homage to to my parents and mm. this idea of home as well. 
I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I watched it the first time with my sister, and we were smiling the whole time. And since then, I've watched it two more times. And this is during Sundance. We have twenty five films to watch, so that shows you how much I. You watched it, it twice during Sundance. No, yeah. three total. Once with my sister, okay. once before we left, and then once I while we were it. here. Okay. Yes. So. Um, Needless to say, I loved it, but I want to talk about all the footage that you had and how hard it was for you to sift through and how fun it was for you to also watch it. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't hard to sift through. I mean, I love archival film, just like my last film. It was hard to get the footage, to access the footage, and I'll I'll sort of speak on behalf of our amazing producer, Julia Nottingham, um, who came came to me with the story, but we had no sort of connection to Lionel, Michael Jackson, where we haven't really done music documentaries before. And so we didn't know how to get hands. We knew that they recorded a music video. And we we're like, there must be like rushes to this music video. And we saw there was like a TV special that Jane Fonda narrated. Um, <laughs> and so we were like, what, where's the other footage from that night? We saw that they were shooting like four other cameras. And Julia was working on a project um, with this company, MRC, and MRC at the time owned Dick Clark Productions, which produced the American Music Awards. And we knew that American Music Awards was sort of uh, the end to a lot of different things. And um, MRC was like, oh, you should talk to this guy, Larry Klein, who was the producer, who still is a producer of the American Music Awards almost 40 years later. And um, he lives in the Caribbean now as music producers, TV producers do um, from that era. He's in the film as well. And, um, you, you know, she called him, cold called them and kind of gave this elevator pitch. And she, you know, he replied, I've been waiting for this phone call for 35 years. And um, he just made all the connections that we needed to Lionel to USA for Africa, which is the organization that owns the footage that sort of is a main charitable arm for, for um, the donations. And, um, yeah, we we were expecting more footage. We were told lots of boxes and boxes, but came down to a couple of boxes, and a lot of the footage was, like, unusable, a lot of moisture. Mm. Some of them were found in the trunk of the lawyer's car, um, <laughs> which is, yeah, it's, I mean, that's, that's what happens when, you know, people aren't going to imagine that anyone's going to use anything um, later on. But uh, through the alchemy of filmmaking and storytelling, we were able to save some of that footage. And we were also able, to, through our amazing archive producer, um, find David Breskin, who literally wrote the book about We Are the World. And he was a journalist from uh, Life magazine at the time who we were fortunate enough that he turned on his dictaphone as soon as he got that assignment three weeks before the recording and had hours and hours of audio archival that you hear a lot in the film. Um, and that became including the video archival that we see mostly during the recording. It's really the texture and the foundation of the film. And it was just amazing to see, um, this, you know, all these icons be really vulnerable. Um, the footage that, um, USA for Africa had really a lot of it didn't have audio. It was they were basically just recording into the you know studio mic feed. So when they weren't rolling like the recording, then it was sort of just dead air. But because of David Breskin's tapes, we were able to. I mean, we had to basically like eye match the audio with the video, and it just took us weeks. Like with the uh, archival producer, our great editor Nick Zimmerman. 
and our assistant editor to kind of just match that. So a lot of this footage that you're seeing, that texture of like seeing these conversations between um, the artists comes from a dictaphone. Um, and you all work in audio, you know, you know the quality of a dictaphone um, from the 80s. And so, it, again, it, it helped really make the film. Let's talk about the people who talk to you now after the fact. You know, it, it's funny, like you, you uh, someone who has not made films or whatever would go, well, this is an award-winning filmmaker, last film that did all this. So everybody's going to talk to him, everybody's going to want to do that. Um, but, you know, but they've never dealt with personal publicists before. And, uh, and I say that as, as being a former personal publicist. And, uh, and so... And people can have various reasons for not wanting to be available, for not wanting to do stuff and being difficult. And then some people will be super enthusiastic. So talk about the people that, you, that, that are in the film and talk about a couple that got away. Yeah, well, in a way, it was life imitating art. Um, if you see in the film, you know, it was hard to kind of lock down a lot of artists because they were trying to say yes for a song that didn't exist yet. There were no lyrics. There was really nothing. You're just sort of saying yes to an idea. Um, But uh, on the same point as the original story, we luckily had Lionel Richie as part of the team. And when Lionel, you know, Lionel called up Bruce Springsteen personally, I would, we should have recorded that phone call. I don't know why we didn't, (laughs) just for behind the scenes. But Lionel called up Bruce, and once Bruce said yes, then that helped us get a lot more people involved. And um, yeah, we often say that the, the, the film was a reflection of the song because we were just trying to get all these. I mean, I, we're we're doing this over like a three month like shooting period, like trying to get everyone to do it in one night, like Lionel and, and the team did was crazy. But over three months, it was even hard to kind of like lock down the schedule. I was pretty adamant about shooting the interviews in the actual studio where it happened. So we shot in A&M Studios, which is now Henson Studios, just to kind of feel the energy of the room. These people are, you know, talking about a night that happened almost 40 years ago. And it's like one night. So when they came back into the room, they really felt the spirit and the memories like came alive to them in many ways. And it is really great because because they're like going and Bruce sang over here and Cindy was over there and it really does add such a warm aspect to it. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm not the biggest fan of um, just sit down interviews and talking heads, but if there is a narrative reason for that talking head and, and people are, you know, we have such compelling stories and compelling participants like Huey Lewis and, and the such, but... Again, it, once we had Lionel involved, it was easier to get everyone else involved. But again, there's traveling time. These people are icons of a generation. Um, it was hard to lock down everyone. Of course, I would have loved to talk to Bob Dylan, but Bob Dylan is sort of the white whale in many ways uh, for everyone. Like, I don't think he's done an interview in the past six years. Um, but I also am kind of grateful that he didn't do the interview because for me, he's one of the best subjects of the film because he has a full arc, right? I mean, there's, mm-hmm. he comes in in a humorous way, but at the end, there's a redemption. There's a, a sense of vulnerability and accomplishment and triumph. And so just to see it in that moment, Bob Dylan sort of being in 1985, Bob Dylan, rather than us sort of him reflecting. And as Bruce Springsteen says in the film, Bob Dylan's an enigma. So we kind of keep him as an enigma in many ways by not interviewing him. I, uh, we are the world was, you know, always playing at my house. I was, I think I was like seven or eight when that came out and 
as you know, in the press line, I had I still had my 45, which was crazy. I, that it was, was the original one? That's my original. Oh, wow. And I didn't know it was hiding in the, this is hilarious, the um, do they know it's Christmas sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, or not. So, um, but I, <laughs> I know. So um, I forgot, because I'm a huge Huey Lewis fan, huge, coming from the Bay and San Francisco, that he was kind of... He's kind of the hero a little bit in this film. Um, but th- were there moments where you're like, oh yeah, I forgot the Pointer Sisters were in there. Seeing that archival footage, did it jog your memory of some other folks that, that were a part of that? Um, yeah, I, again, like I wasn't, I knew the song more than I knew the music video because mm. again, my parents played the record over and over <laughs> again and they never had let me watch like MTV or anything when I was younger. Um, but yeah, Definitely the Pointer Sisters. You reminded of the people who are not with us anymore. That too. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, even sadly through the making of the film, we've lost Harry Belafonte, who right. is the the reason the song happened. We've lost Tina Turner. Yeah. Um, and so when I was watching the footage again, th- those were the moments that kind of stood out to me and the people that stood out to me. Um, I mean, everyone asked why Dan Aykroyd yeah. was there. <laughs> I mean, Dan Aykroyd was a big star. And, yes. you know, in the film, we say Harriet says well, she wanted Dan Aykroyd. And so they, Dan Aykroyd came. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I love from watching the film. All of their personalities shine through so obviously. So now I've started a drinking game where you have to decide which musician you would have been that night. So which one do you think you connected with the most? Um, I mean, I... First off, I love Cindy's line the most. Like, mm. her actual part in the song is just so iconic. Um, but just from making this film and, and knowing the stories, I, I mean, I love Huey. And just, like, that vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And then he just kills that line, though. Like, he he just takes it to another level. And again, I like, can't imagine anyone else with that line and the harmonies. Exactly. Um, and he's... He, he's filling in for Prince. Like, Correct. It's crazy. <laughs> Correct. As you wear a Prince shirt. I, I had to uh, bring him across. into the conversation. Yeah. um and and i and 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 i also have to say the uh the 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 moment with um with sheila e Mm -hmm. um it it it, you know it's it's one of the the more interesting moments for me because you think it's just a full-on love fest and then and you kind of forget the insecurities you kind of forget that that aspect which the film really really brings out and makes the whole thing even more human yeah i mean we're so grateful that we got to talk to sheila e Mm -hmm. um and yeah, the moment is yeah. I don't I don't want to spoil it for people who might haven't seen the film, but it is a heartbreaking moment. And she's you know during the interview, she told me she's never told the story to someone on camera. And so um, it was. I knew we had to include it in the film. And I'm you know honestly grateful to Lionel for not you know he trusted us with making this film. He didn't have any notes for the cut. He just sort of told us. Yeah, he says it often on press. Like, I don't. You wouldn't tell Picasso how to paint. I'm just quoting. I'm not, I'm not comparing myself to Picasso. No, like that's Lionel, fine, Bell. That's Lionel, fine. Lionel that's talking. fine. Um, but yeah, I think. And, and he said it at the Q and A of the Sundance um, premiere that that's what happened. And there's no, you know, this for me. It's um, we wanted to tell an honest story, um, but at the same time celebrate the power of music. I think. Uh, Sheila's moment is is something that definitely stands out and I hope viewers really um, see that as well 
All right. Well, again, the film is The Greatest Night in Pop. It's just a joy to watch. Uh, we've been talking with director Val Yen. It's been wonderful having you here. Great. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by Fancy Bitch, Harmony Fraga, owner of The Social Study in San Francisco. Beachtalk would like to give an extra special thanks to our caviar bitches, Antoinette Tabora, Annie Tabora, Courtney Kita, a.k.a. C-Note, Tim Sika, Sign the Show, and Arabella DeLuco, founder of WeXL.org. Hey, Val. Yeah, we're going to What's up, Val? Yes, what's up? We'll see you in a couple days. Hi. And I got my original. I found it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's a little much. It's a, yes, we're not we are around tonight. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Can you just? Yeah, no. can we just give you a list and then you just? I think make you have a film. copy of our journals, and that's what oh, you do. Yeah, yeah. Your so next film uh, is going to be on dinosaurs or Tupac. I think. Okay, dinosaurs. Okay. <laughs> or, or Tupac. Or Tupac. I, I do we, it. we actually Tupac. need some ideas. We we don't have a third. We got film. a new development yeah, together. Right here. Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll help you. Yeah. Are we doing the interview right now? Is yeah. Okay. Great. Okay. Yeah. Aren't you entertained? This is the best interview. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah of course yeah. it is. I mean, so it's the best so far. Correct. Sure, yeah. No, I mean, how's tonight for you both? Uh, exciting. Like it's it's crazy. I mean, Lionel's. Just walking behind me right here. He's coming in. Yeah, I'm crashing. He's very, yeah. I'm crashing the whole thing. What, 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 what is this? I got my original. What are you doing? Could you? Would you oh mind you? Would you care oh to? Just right here. Well, let me right tell you here. the history of this, all right? You get to have me. Oh, I, oh, I'm gonna oh, still. Wow. Okay. Oh no, this is this is. This is actually Bob Dylan right here. It's gonna, yeah. <laughs> we have the same person. And and what you don't know is his mother flew in. From Vietnam. From Vietnam, she hasn't. He, you haven't seen her yet. She's getting picking. She's getting picked up right now. So yeah. this is his big debut. A debut. De- debut. <laughs> I like a yeah. debut. Debut's better. Yeah. De- yeah. Can I ask you one question? Yeah, sure. How many times has this documentary um, been put on the table to to be made, and how many times did you say no until you said yes? It, it's not so much say no. It's do. Who has the passion? It's not about doing it. It, Again, this was done out of passion. Tonight, I'm amazed that we even pulled it off. And I didn't get worried about it until now (laughs) because it wasn't supposed to happen. Well, the same thing with the documentary. I mean, yes, people have come and they pitched it and they pitched it, but they didn't have the solution of what that might look like. They came and said, it looks like this. And this is what you're going to see. I mean, in other words, it's a passion behind this. I mean this sincerely. Because Julia had to find Bao. That's how it's all happened. It's not that we woke up one morning and said, get, get Julia on the phone. You know, get Bao on the phone. It's, it's God's way of putting us together. Happened organically. You understand. And that's just like the, that amazing group that you had on that stage. And my burning question for you is, the top icons of the year were there. But why was Dan Aykroyd still the best singer? <laughs> you had to have Dan and I always call it <clears throat> there has to be a vibe master you understand me Dan was the vibe master so again I cannot tell you how many times people have asked me what was Dan doing there <laughs> but if you heard Dan talking while we're trying to keep these artists in line between 1 and 7 in the morning they said 10 in the morning it was the American Music Awards was done I still had to finish that 
So we started about one to seven. The video, the documentary, um, the still shots, and then we did this with no managers, agents, papers to sign. No, when I say this, I mean really and truly, I was in charge of making sure that the integrity of every artist was going to be taken care of, period. And Bruce showed up, hadn't heard the song. <laughs> That'll tell you what we were doing. Yeah. I mean, it's how it got made is a miracle. Yeah. But it's, it's done. Our favorite movie of Sundance. It Thank is. you so much. Yeah. Aww. We've already watched it three times. Thank really? you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was Lionel Richie for you on the red carpet and Bao and Julia. And uh, I peed myself a little bit and I'm very sweaty. Thanks for joining us on today's show. You can find more information about this episode in our show notes. If you're missing us, you can visit us at bitchtalkpodcast.com to sign up for our newsletter and buy us a cup of coffee. Did you know we're also on the radio? You can find us at bff.fm. And lastly, rate and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. All the cool bitches are doing it. This podcast is a proud member of the bff.fm podcast network. Learn more at podcasts.bff.fm. bff.fm, best frequencies forever.